0: Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. Have a good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Alignment Show, episode number 46. My name is Don King. I am your host, as usual, and uh, had my camera on when we started up there. You know, that's one of the things about doing live shows. So that's perfectly okay. It's part of what makes us human, right? We have a special guest with us today whom I will tell you about in just a moment. I uh, want to uh, remind you that this episode is sponsored by Hidden Mentor Media, the publisher of my books. My current book is uh, The Way of the Three Year Old Why. And let's put the cover up there. Yep, there it is. Okay. And, and it's, it's the book that's out there, but we're mentioning Hidden Mentor Media because the next book is in the queue. And so if you would like to be sure that you are able to, to uh, find out more about that, Uh, Go ahead and go to donking.com slash 3YO. We've got it in the crawl down there. Those of you who are on audio only, it's D-O-N-N-K-I-N-G.com slash the number 3 and the letters Y-O. You can learn about the current book, but you can also be able to get information about the upcoming book called Medium Well. It is the follow-up. To the way the three year old wine will continue the journey of some of those same characters but introduce a new protagonist. Uh, it is out to beta readers right now, so we're anticipating that it will be out in March. So, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today uh, and pull that cover off there, okay. Been looking forward to this one. She is from Bath, England, and just as an aside here, I was talking with her. You can clearly hear she is from England, um, and she gave me the correct pronunciation of where she lives. And I can't help but think that uh, as a good old southern boy trying to say it properly makes me sound like I'm trying to be a uh, posh or something, you know, like like we have this British accent, and this is not really a British accent. This is a southern boy trying to sound British and say, boff, but I'm just intrigued by so much around Joe Penn. This is sort of like a parish priest getting to meet the archbishop. Um, i tell you a little bit about Joe's background. She's She's self-effacing. I'm going to say right now, by the way, at the end of this episode, as the confidence cultivator, I'm going to have some observations about Joe. I don't know if she would see herself this way, but she strikes me as being at this perfect point of confidence. It's at a midpoint, you see, between arrogance on one end and false humility on the other. And so I'll have some observations about that. But if you're not familiar with her, and you should be, then Joanna Penn is an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today best-selling thriller author under the pen name of J.F. Penn. That's a pen name with a double meaning, as we might say. And she is also best-known, perhaps... uh, within the writing community, writing nonfiction for authors. She sold over a million books to readers in 176 countries and five languages as an independent, that is an indie author, She's also an international professional speaker, award-winning creative entrepreneur. She was awarded the Publishing Commentator of the Year by Digital Book World. Uh, Her show, The Creative Pen Podcast, has been downloaded over 9 million times in 228 countries. I didn't even know there were that many countries. And um, I read somewhere that her podcast is in the top 20 podcasts for downloads. She doesn't claim quite that high a figure but you'll hear that she has quite an impact and so we recorded this episode Uh, she had a a time conflict and couldn't be on with us live today but uh, let me get the get it lined up here oh i know you probably get tired of me saying it but it really is like running a starship sometime there we are Couldn't be with us live today, but uh, we will be watching the chat and uh, sharing your comments and observations. I know most people see this through replay, and uh, I think that whether you are a writer or not, you are going to see something here about identifying what's most important to you, taking chances to achieve what's most important to you, and also the insight about reevaluating that every so often you know joe is in the middle of a what she calls a 15 year uh i think she calls it a pivot so in any case uh let's go ahead and get the interview with joe penn up here i'm just so glad to have her on here here we go And as I've already told you, my real self, because this is a recording now, uh, we have a special guest on this week. Uh, I'm going to mention as an aside, she has a long running podcast. And one of the things that I really admire is how smoothly she goes from her intros into the interview and then coming out of it. I've never mastered that. So there's a lot that we can all learn from I call her Joe Penn, she goes by Joanna Penn, and her fiction is JF Penn. Let's go ahead and find out about her journey and bring on Joanna Penn. Joe, thank you for being on The Alignment Show.
1: Oh, I'm excited to be here with you, Don. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, I I said in the promos that I would be fanboying. Uh, that there are three or four of my guests that I have done that with. We had Rachel Heron on here two or three oh, weeks Rachel. ago. Mm -hmm. And and, oh, my, you know, and so I'm just so glad to have you on here. Uh, We are not primarily a writer's show, but just by the nature of the alignment show, where people are looking at what matters most to them and taking chances very often to bring Mm -hmm. their lives into alignment with that. I think writers kind of naturally do that. So we have had a lot of writers on here but we're more focusing on origin stories here. So I gave an introduction before getting into the interview so people know a little bit about your background. I got to tell you, honestly, I just watched uh, your uh, draft a digital episode, the 2024, where you were on with four other people, and it just struck me about how minimalist your bio is. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think people would realize that you have, am, am I accurate in this? One of the top 20 podcasts in the world?
1: No, it's in, it's based on downloads, but in the top 5% of downloads, which, you know, it's a very long running podcast. And uh, I mean, that's an interesting thing around this alignment in terms of what you can do for the long term. But yes, I've been podcasting since 2009. I started writing for publication sort of 2006 and started publishing 2008 and have been a full time author entrepreneur since 2011. So it's been one of those long journeys, uh, as you said.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And I mean, uh, we're going to get into the origin stuff here in just a second. But one of the first questions that come to mind is when you set out, did you plan or did you ever think that you would be in that top 5%? I mean, there are millions of podcasts out there. You know what? uh, When did it strike you? that You know, this is really unusual. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's true for the writing career as well, to be honest, and anything that you do over time. So when I decided to start podcasting, and maybe this is a tip for people, like, we don't know where where the future is going to go. But back in 2008, when I tried to launch my first book, I got on TV and I got on the radio. I was living in Australia at the time. And I sold like two or three books, like literally no books. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. Like everyone says you should get PR and you should do this press release stuff. And yeah, sure. I got in the media, but it's not selling any books. So what can I do to reach people? I was living in Australia. I wanted to reach Americans and actually having a British accent is quite a superpower because Americans like a British accent. (laughs) So there was that also, I had no friends, no, no author friends. I did have some friends in my day job. I was an IT consultant and I was like, I really would like to meet some authors, but I'm kind of intimidated by them. But what I could do is start this thing and back then, it wasn't even really called a podcast. It was like a, um, sorry, is that your alarm?
0: No, it's it's perfectly okay. It's a. Uh, um and we're going to leave this in. It's just some restaurant wanting me to come get some food and I can't leave the house. So you know, this is just frustrating. <laughs> we've got okay. a snowstorm going on here, folks, as we're recording this. So just yeah, this is, real,
1: this is real life. I mean, Absolutely. this is real life stuff. But yeah, back in, back in 2009, it was more like downloadable audio. And so I was like, Oh, okay, I could I could talk to people like we're talking now. Although when I started, I used to phone people up on a phone, an old school phone and hold a recording device next next to the phone like that's literally and then it moved into Skype and then like technology moves on and our ability to do this moves on and so i was like okay i'm just going to start doing it and then between about 2009 and really about 2014 I, I had very few listeners but there were very few listeners to podcasts in general But it was worthwhile to me to keep doing it because I was making a network. I was building, making friends, um, meeting people on the podcast. And Twitter were the main two ways I built a network. And uh, I was still writing and all of that. But really doing the podcast, the goal was not around any kind of business. And then around 2015, it started becoming viable to make money from a podcast. So then I added my Patreon. I added um, some sponsorship. And over the years, it's now. Also, the backbone of my uh, one of I guess the backbones of my business is the the Creative Pen podcast. Um, So I guess a tip there is start something that you can sustain that you enjoy uh, for other reasons and you never know it might turn into an income stream it might turn into a network it might turn into even just building skills the skills i have built as a podcaster uh have helped me in so many ways like i can i can come on with you and i'm pretty relaxed because i've been doing this so long um i can interview people i can i'm a professional speaker a lot of it uh, i'm an introvert just so people know but i've learned how to do this, how to people <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. well, and and you know we mentioned on this program a lot of times introversion extroversion is not about uh, shyness or in uh, outgoing or whatever it's about where do you get your energy and how do you form mm. your thoughts, so mm. you do have to shepherd your energy here, but you have you have garnered this skill set of uh, and I've got so many questions i'm I'm bumbling around right here let me uh let me back up here just a moment you've been around forever in internet terms. And I, I don't want to, uh, honestly, I'm not primarily about the podcast. That's just kind of where we started. The podcast is a m- part of the multiple streams of income. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: you, I know where I was going with this a minute ago. We frequently will mention on this program ideas from Bob Berg, the co-author of The Go-Giver. And one of the things he says is, money is a good question to ask. It's just not the best first question. And he also says money comes as an echo to value, like thunder to lightning. Hmm. And it kind of sounds to me like that's what happened with the podcast in particular. A little different approach maybe with the writing. Uh, I mean, I know one of the things that you always ask uh, is how did you get started with writing? Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that I've ever heard that question asked to you because I know that was, well, I don't know, maybe it is something you started in what we would call elementary school. So how did you get started?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I did write in school like many people, but I went into, I did a degree in theology. Uh, I know you were a pastor as well, weren't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, And um, but I, I'm not a Christian, uh, but I have, a I guess, a spirituality. And so I did my degree in theology, then I went into IT consulting, and I did that for a few years, and I was just, just very miserable. I was like, what am I doing? I was earning a really good salary, but I was just miserable. And I feel like a creative side of me was pretty much dead there was just a sort of an ember under all the ashes of corporate life and technical writing and all of this kind of stuff but right, it and- still there yeah yeah exactly it is always still there for people if you don't feel like you're creative if you're listening then it is there somewhere it's just has been buried under years and years and years of all the things that people tell you you have to do or your responsibilities and so i was like uh, and i got to the point i was crying every day at work you know i was really super super miserable and i used to journal a lot i've got behind me you can see on the video i've got loads of journals down here and i I was like, oh, I love writing. I I feel like I love learning. I love writing. I love traveling. Maybe this could be a career, and this was around the time of the Four Hour Work Week uh, by Tim Ferriss. <laughs> that came out and it began to become feasible to make a living writing online. So blogging as it was called back then. And so I started learning about this and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then I got into professional speaking and the speakers I saw all had books that they self-published. They all ran businesses with all these different income streams. And so I do some speaking, but make-
0: And just to interrupt just a bit, what were you speaking about at that time?
1: Yeah. So my first book was called Career Change. Okay. So I was mainly speaking sort of to corporate people. But in workshops, I was writing myself sort of if you're miserable in your job, how do you change it? And this is this has been a thing of my nonfiction career. It's like I need to learn something, I learn it, I write a book on it, and then I can teach it. <laughs> and that's basically what I've done all the way with my most of my non- nonfiction has has been like that. So yeah, I guess I started that way. And then in 2009, I did Rimo National Novel Writing Month, which I highly recommend for people if you want to write a novel and you're blocked by all this stuff, again, that society throws on you. And so I started my first novel then. I published the first novel in 2011 and that kind of started the fiction side of things and then um, you know as you know as uh, as part of my community I wrote um, a memoir pilgrimage travel memoir um, a couple of years ago and have started to move into I guess what is the next iteration of my career um, which is writing other books fiction but also nonfiction around things that I feel resonate on a deeper level for me so gothic cathedrals is going to be the next next big nonfiction book I do, um, which again, it doesn't really, it's like you mentioned about money following value. I don't know how I'm going to make money out of a book on Gothic cathedrals, but I know that there's some people in the world like me who absolutely love them. And so if I put together something that those people will like and I can reach those people, then I know the money will come. And even if it doesn't, I'll have had a really good time creating it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just a really good insight for anybody. You put put the value first, your passion first. You may or may not make money. You probably have the greatest likelihood of doing so. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't, at least you've got some life satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I, and, and there's so many questions, Joe. One of the things that comes to mind is going from a theology degree to IT consulting, <laughs> why? Oh
1: yeah okay so this is I think this is a it might be a peculiarly British thing um, or maybe an Ivy League thing in America too so I went to the University of Oxford and at Oxford and Cambridge they have this thing called the milk round where the biggest companies um, come around and they you go along and they kind of interview everyone and you can get a job off the back of that and that's basically what I did they just pick you know, young things who have some aptitude. And then they, literally day one, I was in a room with 400 people and the woman put her hand down the middle of the room and said, everyone on this side of the room, you're going into SAP. SAP is this um, German software company. It's a big enterprise system. So I didn't know any of this. They sent me off for a couple of months and then they start sent me off to Belgium to work in a factory and all of this. So it was, it was sort of the days of consulting. This was pre-millennium bug. So I did millennium bug consulting back in the nineties. Yeah, wow. exactly. So there were big expense accounts. It was very fun. I was in my twenties. Um, but that that life, I burnt out on that life, to be honest. But that's that's kind of how. And I guess that's another thing you can learn. next step so i was kind of thrown in the deep end and i learned it and i just keep learning i mean you know like we mentioned podcasting or doing video you can learn these skills none of us are born knowing how to write a book you know i know you've written books and you've done all this stuff and it's like well you just learn how to do it and then you know carry on you don't need a degree in everything that you actually do
0: oh absolutely absolutely i i i don't think i had ever heard that particular origin story and it it's it makes sense it makes sense. What occurs to me at this point? Uh, you have been very open about you know I hated doing that. It sounds like to me you hated it after a while when you first got into it. It was exciting, then you burned mm-hmm. out pretty quickly. Um, I'm wondering what what about it you know was it the lack of control was it the corporate environment uh, i know it wasn't the traveling because you love traveling
1: yeah I did. but
0: maybe you you went somewhere and never saw anything because you were in an office the whole time you know well what it's was actually
1: it? it's on my wall if, if people are on the video um it says measure your life by what you create yes. and one of the and now i did that on a screen printing thing and that's how i i do measure my life and what had happened is uh, i earned really good money as an i.t consultant but that money you know you pay the bills you go out for dinner whatever you have some fun and then you're like what did i just do for a whole year and the i.t world is particularly difficult because you might put in a software system. And then six months later, there's another version and they overwrite it. And just everything, everything I did back in the 90s and the early 2000s is all gone now, because everything moves on. But behind you again, on the video, you can see my books. And um, so um, I even though my podcast is digital, like yours, I still consider that part of my creation, because it goes out in the world and it often reach reaches more people than my books. Um, mm. So that's quite interesting. But now I can hold my books in my hand and say i made this and i can measure my life by each year how many books i write what i can create that's new in the world that um lasts so my book pilgrimage which is uh, over there <laughs> above my head um pilgrimage writing the shadow which were two books i did last year both of those books are evergreen books that people will find they could find for many, many years, because when people are called to go on pilgrimage, they start looking for books on pilgrimage. And before then, they don't look for books on pilgrimage. So um, that and people and writing The Shadow is starting to become uh, more obvious to people like, oh, I can write more about my sort of darker side. And again, people who are called into that will find that book. So I have this sort of sense that um well that's the main reason i I wanted to get out of of being a consultant the other thing is you talk about values on the show and Mm -hmm. my highest value is freedom in terms of freedom of time freedom of money freedom to create what i want freedom to love who i want to love be in the country i want to be in so and to to a point where in a day job where you are kind of you have no freedom when you're an employee really um and yeah, so that, that shaped me. Also, I guess shaped my publishing choices around wanting to run my own business uh, and continues to shape how I uh, run things, I guess, is that I'm always thinking about, will, will this keep my freedom or not? So for example, many of my peers have grown their businesses to a much bigger size, you know, gained employees, uh, much bigger revenue, but much bigger costs. And whereas I've stayed a one-person business I work with freelancers but mainly i don't want to scale my business i don't want to be responsible or have a physical location or all of this freedom remains that value
0: yeah so you're in control of it Uh, Mm. you define your own success which is a Mm. great tip um (sighs) there's so many questions that are that are combining here in my head, Joe, because I know we have limited time here. Uh, Let's put out there just as a fact, uh, how many books you have both on the fiction and the nonfiction side?
1: (laughs) Well, that's an interesting question. I I have this, uh, it's it's over 40. But the thing is, um, I was talking to someone else about this, how many times do you count multiple editions? So I have several books that are on like their third edition.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. Did yes. they
1: get an extra half a point, or <laughs> how do how do they rank themselves? So yeah. Right, anyway, right. it's over forty. Um, mostly, mostly fiction.
0: And, and you know, it's a, a y- your response kind of points out. There's two different ways of thinking about this. There's the books as the creative um, outcome, mm. and then there's books as products. Mm. So you know, if we're thinking in different editions, you've got oh, hundreds, more hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> um you know the courses and yeah. all that kind of thing um and i do want to say the the most recent books i think uh well and and there's there's some other creative stuff out there on jfn anyway uh you've put out pilgrimage you've mentioned you've put out um uh writing the writing shadow, the shadow. Hmm. both of those are very much close to the soul hmm. you know i mean i i've, I've loved reading both uh, I'll tell you, pilgrimage in a way makes me kind of sad. I, I, as I've got older, I used to walk all over the Smoky Mountains, which is where mm-hmm. I live. Uh, I have trouble walking out to the parking lot now. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when I read about your pilgrimage and, and the walking itself and how you tie that into the personal, you were talking about how you can hold your books in your hands the original podcasts are still out there, you know, 20, 15, 20 years later. This a question just occurred to me, do you anticipate 20 years from now, looking back at Riding the Shadow, looking back at Pilgrimage and thinking, okay, this is where I was then, Mm. you know, what's, How does it work with your ongoing creativity and yet making something permanent?
1: Yeah, well, I think there's a difference between permanent and evergreen. So for me, Pilgrimage, the book I wrote, Pilgrimage, the memoir is uh, I was going through menopause, mental health issues to do, you know, hormone stuff. Um, It was two of the walks I did in the pandemic. So that is a very, it's a specific, moment of my life where I felt a certain way and pilgrimage encapsulates three so, three solo pilgrimages that I did over that time but as you say it's got practical stuff which is evergreen but also the, the memoir is also evergreen for the people who read it because if people are going through difficulties in their life pilgrimage is a great way to help with that it might not solve anything but it's a really good way to help with problems to go on a walk where there's a beginning and an end and every day you know what you're doing I mean it's it's the most controlled form of life probably, where everything is just like, you just get up, you walk, you eat something, you sleep, you get up, you walk. I mean, it's very helpful for therapy. (laughs) So I feel like even in, as you say, so I'm 50 next year. So let's say when I'm 75, I will be a very different person i'm a different person now than i was three years ago you're a different person you know yeah. we are we all change but what i think is people find our books at the point where they need them so someone may read pilgrimage in 25 years and even though i'm not that person the book is that book and it will help them um writing the shadow i think is also i hope an evergreen book that many people don't want right now because they don't understand what tapping into that darkness means and they're not ready for it but i feel like again people will come to that over their life and maybe discover it maybe not um but it's interesting because of course my first books that i wrote uh, career change my first book it was published as how to enjoy your job or find a new one in 2008 i rewrote it in 2012 as career change uh complete rewrite so the, those early editions are still out there uh, i haven't rewritten it since then but I don't I almost don't want to because I would have to rewrite the whole book because when in 2012 I had just left my job to go full-time I knew what it felt like to go through a heavy career change and now I'm so far ahead of that I cannot be that person again and that's good so people buy that book still every day and I'm slightly embarrassed or slightly It's strange to me. Part of me wants to rewrite it because I'm not that person, but I have to have faith that they are. They need it, and um, I guess that's all all we can do. I mean, you you have your 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 parable, right? The way of the three year old. Mm Why, and I mean, people will come to that when they need it, um, and you just never know.
0: Exactly. Exactly. In fact, rather than rewriting that original book, it might be worthwhile doing a sequel.
1: well but that's again how we change so though there is absolutely no way that the me from 2008 would even have considered writing a book on gothic cathedrals but when i think about how i want to spend my time now i couldn't care less about career change. I do not want to revisit the corporate life at all. I want to go look at Gothic cathedrals and write about them and about beauty and about art and about how architecture changes us and spirituality and all these things that fascinate me. I want to write about that. And I think that's what we can do as creative people is we we write the books that burn in our soul, the books of our heart. And then hopefully some people will resonate with them.
0: Uh, Would you say that you write the way we're talking about right now and then you put on your business hat and figure out how to find the audience that needs what you have written?
1: That's how I do most of my books. But what I, as I mentioned earlier with the early nonfiction, so that career change book was first, then I wrote, Uh, I wrote How how to Market a Book quite early on, the first edition of How to Market a Book. It had three editions before I decided I didn't want to write about it anymore. But it was one of those things where I needed to learn book marketing. I had to learn book marketing. I thought I'd write a book on it, and I had started to gain an audience. So over the years, you know, I did edition two and edition three. I've done three editions of How to Make a Living with Your Writing, done three editions of Successful Self-Publishing, because my audience want wanted those so the creative pen as it grew I had an audience to serve so those books were written because there was an audience who wanted them wanted to buy them and I'm also a business person but the more recent books as I've become more stable I guess in my career more confident you I know you talk about confidence more Mm. confident in my creativity in my ability to write because that's something that grows as well I now feel I can move more into more experimental books I'm using crowdfunding as you know Um, and crowdfunding makes it a slightly different prospect to do these things. I want to make more beautiful books. So my reasons for writing have changed but, uh, but now pretty much the last few years and all my fiction is written as the muse or I'm a discovery writer so I kind of start writing and see what it turns into.
0: Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, I find it fascinating that uh, among writers, I think you are known as a discovery writer. This is one of the things we talk about uh, a lot uh, among writers. Um, In your business, I'm amazed at how much you accomplish. I know that you are closely planning things like that. Um, You're in the middle of, uh, you've talked about the 15-year pivot. It seems like about Mm -hmm. every 15 years or so, you take a step back and reevaluate. But you do this every year also to a a lesser degree. I find it fascinating how the planner and the discovery (laughs) person, not so much writer, but, you know, how those two mesh. You know, Are, are you... Are you only a discovery writer in your creative process? Um,
1: mm. Okay,
0: let me take a step back here. I know your friend, Sasha Black, you know, has talked oh, yes, about, yes. Uh, she is much more of a discovery liver. <laughs> this not, you know, this is not the term she would use, but you know, I just, I picked that up as I listened to her. You know, um, this is, I'm, I'm bumbling around the question, but I think you know where I'm going with this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, i think the word intuitive is important and i don't know if you you've listened to i did an episode with becca syme on intuitive writing she becca syme s-y-m-e for people listening she has a book called dear writer are you intuitive and i think that book really helped me because exactly what you're saying i'm like how do i i'm very organized i plan a lot i plan sometimes years in advance And yet I also just follow the muse when it comes to writing. And I think this word intuition uh, intuition or intuitive is is important. So I feel like I'm going to write this thing. And then sometimes it doesn't emerge or I feel like um, I need to write something else and then I change my mind. And so I adjust, but I also in the way I run my life now, you know, you have difficult personal circumstances that means a lot of your time is in care um I don't so of course I can do a lot more with my daily life of course that may change at some other point but right now I I every day I every weekday I split between morning creative time and afternoon business time and that business includes marketing it includes interviews like this so this morning I was at the cafe at 8am when it opened, and I did um two hours editing I came back here I wrote up my edits then i had some lunch and now i'm talking to you so that's this is a, a good example of one of my days so i plan writing time what i do in that writing time might change over the year as my intuition shifts into new things or as different things come up so i think as long as you plan the time uh, and actually i've got uh, i've got these things right here i pl- this is how, this is six months on a piece of paper. And as long as I can roughly see six months and a year ahead with, okay, so I'm speaking in Seville in Spain in March and I'm going to London Book Fair. And that's like a big chunk of time. As an introvert, I need recovery time. So that's two weeks in March taken up completely. So I know that I need to put in other time as I go. So I think that would be my tip to people is plan the writing block and the marketing block or the business block. And then what you do in that time can change.
0: Okay, okay. I I think they call that time blocking. Yeah, yeah, time uh, time
1: blocking, basically. But you don't need to, so I I block writing, that's what the time block says, but I don't necessarily put in what I'm writing until almost the week before I will update it to say what I'm writing.
0: Mm -hmm. Our disabled daughter has taught us to make your plans, but hold them lightly because (laughs) they're going to change. Yes. So you adapt as you go, but you do plan.
1: Yes, exactly. Plan for the time. And then as things change, like, yeah, I imagine you have to hold things very lightly and dr- drop everything at a minute's notice. But again, that's, as you say, with the values, you have to adapt to what is most important in life.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So going back then to the, uh, discovery writer aspect, um, Did you try at some point to be a plotter because you were such a good planner in other areas of your life and just found it didn't work or or how did that go?
1: Well, it wasn't because of that. It was because pretty much every single writing book in the world is about plotting, and so, so from day one when I started, to, I, I was always fine with nonfiction, but um, with fiction, I I thought for over a decade there was something wrong with me that I just could not get in my head how I could plot. I bought all the books. I had like over fifty books. I did all the courses. I did. I went to you know all, all the live events I was like why can't I get this why does this just not click in my head and I didn't really there was the word panzer but it's very american you know it's right. not something we would say here and that's and, why I've
0: been avoiding it but yes yeah, go ahead and explain exactly.
1: it <laughs> and then I heard someone talk about being a discovery writer so dean wesley smith has sort of talked about it and he's wonderful and I was like Oh, maybe that's me and then becca's book the intuitive writer again i was like oh my goodness that's me so i think about in my book how to write a novel i could only write that book after i had figured out how my process worked which is essentially there's this entire chaos of ideas and thoughts and little bits and bobs and then i have to just I guess intuitively just sit down and start writing and see what happens and then organize it later so I'd never write in order for fiction or non-fiction I use Scrivener software which is fantastic um, because you can just write all this stuff and then you just you just drag and drop the chapters in different orders so I think this is another tip for people is learn everything you can but then try and lean into how it feels. Like, is that actually good for me? Um, should I be doing that? So, uh, for example, I rarely do video. I I, I I do this because you said specifically it's video, so I'm doing video. But I will not do TikTok. I won't go anywhere near TikTok. Um, I've pretty much ditched social media except for a bit of Instagram. And it's like, there's, there are many good reasons to be on TikTok as as an author and a bookseller. But I'm not going to do that because I feel like that is not what I want to do. So I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) I mean, there's a sweet spot, right? Sometimes you have to push yourself. But not all the time.
0: You can't do everything that there is to do. Mm. You won't do any of it very well. So mm. pick and choose is one of your great tips. I mean, I, it's it's been an inspiration to me. Uh, in fact, I was just listening to, uh, I don't know if it's your most recent episode, I think it was, where you were talking about one of your goals for this coming year has nothing to do with writing or business. It's about lifting, lifting weights. Um, and, and it just, it really struck me that you learned something about a grip and without getting into the technicalities of the weightlifting and all that kind of thing, you were afraid to make a change. You found that if you took a step back, mm. that you could then advance further. And it struck me that you did that same thing with business. You talked about it on your podcast about it took you until 2015 to get your writing income up to the same level you had had in 2011, mm. but it's gone on. Okay. Um and this is what my I think was a little funny. You knew that from your business and yet you were still hesitant to do that in your weightlifting. (laughs) Do do, do you have a tip on is that always the case? You know, just be willing to take a step back in order to take more steps forward. What would you
1: advise? Yeah, I think um yeah, they uh, call it the, um, the S the S curve, you know, there's the S curve as you learn things and you it, it comes or a business model, and it comes up to a peak, and then it drops off. And we're all kind of like that in different areas of our life. And in order to jump the S curve, which is go on to the next S curve and go up, you do have to take a dip. Seth Godin has a book called the dip. <laughs> um, there's a, a great book called Undisruptible by Aidan McCullen, where he talks about that. And I think it, we we just have to keep remembering that, and uh, it's interesting. I mean, my training my weightlifting training is very new really it's only a couple of years old compared to my I've been running my own business since the year 2000 different businesses but you know over 20 plus years of running businesses and I've been writing fiction since 2009 so again you 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 look at all the different stages of your life and you have a different level of maturity at each stage of I guess all of those different things they just behave differently but if you don't jump the S-curve onto whatever's next, you will just continue to go down. And again, maybe this is partly intuition, this feeling of being a bit jaded. I think the word jaded is how it how it feels sometimes. Um, mm. when you're like, oh, I really don't want to talk about that anymore. I don't want to, uh, you know, that's not what I want to focus on. And I'm starting to feel that way. And if I carry on, it's just gonna go downhill. So I need to find my next my next jump. Um, so yeah, you will always have to take a step back. So at the moment, um, you know, as we're sort of moving into a different stage of technology with generative AI, lots of people are wondering what's happening. It was a bit it's a bit like before the year 2000 with the internet we just didn't know what was going to happen and you know carnage chaos and then a whole new business model took off i mean who would have thought we'd be doing this like this this was the this was Broadcast TV back 25 years ago, we could not have done this. Technology allows us to do these new things, but only if we take advantage of it. And I mean, kudos to you. Um, you know, you've learnt these new skills. You've found new people this way. This is quite a different skill that that you would have learned. So again, you you have to take a step back. However good you are at something, if you try something new, you won't be very good at it. <laughs>
0: So be willing to be bad at it in, until you get good or in order to yeah, get good.
1: Exactly. And also I think if you're curious, then at some point you'll get bored of that thing and move on to the next thing. That's actually why I love being an author because each book is like a project. So pilgrimage, I could have gone on and done another decade's worth of walking. <laughs> But I was like, no, I think I've learned the lesson of this arc. So I'm going to write the book and move on. I might write another one. I don't know, but it won't be the same book. Um, Gothic cathedrals, I don't really know what it's going to be, but it will be an interesting journey. So we have to keep that, I guess, beginner's mind. Otherwise, you know, what's life for? Like you say as well, and I say, memento mori, remember you will die. So, you know, do the best you can with the time you have.
0: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make you frantic, I don't think. You know, Mm. when, when you approach memento mori, properly. It's just a reminder. In fact, the alignment show came out of, I think the realization people have that life is short. You don't want to spend it doing something that doesn't matter to you, Mm. but you don't want to get frantic about it, trying to cram everything in. And speaking of trying to cram everything in, I'm watching our time here because I know you have to go and so do I. I want to make sure people know how to find various things that you're doing because Mm. there's so much there i'm going to put a qr code up first for creative pen books and for folks who are on here audio only it is simply the creative pen Dot com that's pen with a double n uh, i love hearing you say that every week um it's uh, and and by the way one of the things i love about listening to you is i can hear you when you say the creative pen you know it's like you you love saying it there's just so much <laughs> passion there so the creative pen.com is the non-fiction uh and yeah. as part of your Oh, uh, let me see here how do we want to do this there are, there are
1: links there are links to everything from the creative pen if people are interested in writing then yeah the creativepen.com and because this is a video and a podcast i have the creative pen podcast so that's probably where people will have a look i have a youtube channel so um that's probably the best place uh, to go and there's links to my fiction as jf pen if if you want to go go on from there so that that's probably just the best thing
0: And I just realized I've got the wrong QR code up here. This is for Creative Pen Books, which takes you to your store where you can buy the books. Uh, Here is the Creative Pen but you can get to both of them from the creativepen.com. And Joe just mentioned her fiction. I want to show you that QR code. This is for JF <laughs> That's an <pen>. old photo. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the one that's on the site. And, and, and I had to ask you, is this one of your favorite pictures? Because I, I love this picture.
1: I love it too, but it's about a decade old. And I'm like, oh, look, I used to be young and beautiful. I mean, it, it's good to have these pictures, but as authors, you know, the more we, this is the other reason to update your book so you can update your author photo as you get older. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and, and I, I do understand that when I'm going to change the crawl here so that it says jfpenbooks.com. That's oh, for the thank fiction. you. Okay, <laughs> but but the thing that strikes me, and, and I, I just have to hit on this a little bit, you can see the different personalities of what you're doing with the fiction and nonfiction. Uh, you know, here's here's our our nonfiction okay and that's got my to,
1: fiction as well
0: yeah and yeah they're they're stacked up there but um you know the personality here is is more you you talked about this in writing the shadow you know the, mm. this this is the professional this is the good girl uh this is the J- little
1: Penn is it's a bit more intense
0: <laughs> yeah a little more intense there and i mean that that's that's the uh that's where you're really turning in this 15-year mm. pivot. Um, you're not doing away with the podcast. You're not nope. taking the nonfiction books down. Mm. But you've reached a point in your life where you're saying, you know, I haven't given my fiction the the uh, attention I want to. This is where we're going with this. And so mm-hmm. that's a lesson, I think, for folks listening to this. You know, different stages in life, as you've talked about, you take a step back and you say, what's important now. What do I want to do now?
1: Yeah. And you and don't know what it'll
0: be in 10 years.
1: No, exactly. But it's a, it's J.F. Penn I'm concentrating on. So it's not just a fiction. So Pilgrimage uh, is written by J.F. Penn. Gothic cathedrals will be under J.F. Penn. So I'm actually moving into as well as more fiction, more non-fiction, but in the realm of spiritual spirituality adjacent let's call it um mm. which is pretty much all of my novels have aspects of spirituality history um religion psychology so that's the kind of travel and so that's the area i'll be writing more non-fiction in too so it's not so much that jf pen is just fiction it's that jf pen mm. has a real interest in these other things um and doesn't want to write books for writers anymore
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and understanding that is the J.F. Penn personality, if we can put it like that, mm. uh, this is going to be more of the personality of the nonfiction for J.F. Mm. Penn, whereas the Joanna Penn has been more of a business kind of thing. It's not so yeah. much fiction nonfiction, but uh, is the personality of J.F. Penn the reason that you're doing the nonfiction under J.F. Penn?
1: Yes, uh, primarily. And also as just as a business angle, um, with the algorithms online, um, Joanna Penn's books are uh, you know for authors, self-help for authors, and JF Penn is is a completely different uh brand, basically. So when we create these things, and this might be a tip for other people too, if you feel like one brand or one name, I mean, these are all my names, I'm not hiding anything, um, but uh it's like okay, that brand doesn't isn't really what I want anymore, so I can pivot into a new brand um and who knows maybe I'll have another one at some point, but this is a common thing with authors they'll use different names um for different aspects, so again, something for people to consider as they look forward uh, into the future or want to pivot like what doesn't serve me anymore in terms of the direction that I'm going,
0: okay, okay now. I'm looking at the clock and I know we need to wrap up here. I could talk with you for hours and I love the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I like to ask a closing question. Mm -hmm. And that question is usually there will be something that you wish that I had asked that I either didn't know to ask or forgot to ask or whatever. What would that question be and what would your answer to it be?
1: Uh no I I don't have anything I just like to have a conversation and hear what's important to you and your guests so yeah I've I've had a great time I hope this has been useful
0: Absolutely I know it's useful to our listeners and I want to thank you thank you thank you for taking the time to come on I don't think we said maybe I said in the introduction um you are in Bath, England. Am I remembering that? Yeah, we
1: we say Bath, Bath Bath. over here. (laughs)
0: Yeah. When I was in England back in the 1970s, I found over there that those folks that I was talking to liked hearing a Southern American accent. Oh, Uh, we do.
1: We love your accent too. It's lovely.
0: (laughs) This works out together, Uh, and I'm hoping I'm hoping to make it to Author Nation. Maybe. Oh, I might
1: meet you then. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: uh, We can do that. Well, again, thank you, and I'm uh, I'm to have to learn from you about how to give the interview back to my other self here but we will wrap things up for this week and uh don take it away all righty wow that uh I, I told her once we stopped recording that this was the highlight of my year and she said well, we're just two weeks into it yeah but this is going to be a highlight, maybe the highlight. So I'm just so grateful to Joe for taking the time because she is incredibly busy. Now, this is a longer episode than usual, but I wanted to share a couple of quick observations. Uh, I, I mentioned about as the confidence cultivator, one of the things that I observe uh, about Joe, I think that she really is in the the perfect spot as far as confidence. You see, most people tend to go to one extreme or the other. There's the Dunning-Kruger at one end where you think you're a lot better than you are, so that kind of leads to arrogance. Many of us wrestle with imposter syndrome, and through false humility, we may rob the world of the benefit of our experience, our insight. Um, I I don't detect a hint of arrogance in Joe. Uh, And yet she also is aware of the impact that she has in the writing community. Uh, By doing that, I believe she is best able to serve and to help people. Uh, She's also been open about her own struggles with um, uh, insecurity, I guess, for lack of a better term. In my mind, I think, wow, if Joe Penn struggles with insecurities, then it's perfectly okay that I do. And I hope that things like that might be helpful to you. One other observation over the years, I don't know if she would think of it this way, but I've observed as a, as a speaker, as somebody who studies communications and all that kind of thing, I believe the most frequent word I hear from Joe is interesting. And I can see where curiosity is something that really drives her. Now, I relate to this as I think about my own values among my top three Curiosity is one of my top three. The other two are connection and choices. And so choices is like the freedom thing she was talking about. So she really does exemplify having thought about her values, whether or not that is a term she would have used or not. She is regularly making sure that she is honoring those. And in so doing, she is in the best position to make the world a better place. I hope that that is inspiration for you along similar lines. Now, as we get ready to look to next week, a week from today, we're going to have with us a young writer by the name of Harrison Stockland. Now, I don't know him already, but he's developing quite a reputation. He's a young writer, as I've said, I don't mean 10 years old. I think he's in his early 20s, Uh, but his debut crime thriller came out last year. He already has a second one. And so I think that even at a fairly young age, he has thought about what is important in his life, and that's going to be useful for all of us. I hope that you will tune in next week as we continue with the Alignment Show, looking at how to live your values so that you can value your life. And we will see you next week. That's it for this week's episode of The Alignment Show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness. And remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week on The Alignment Show.